Massive Attack Podcast mini episodes. Welcome to my world, episode 25. I am your host, Mitch, and with me, well, not with me, with me on pod is Joe. How are you? I'm good, Mitch. How are you? We're, we're actually video Skyping this time, so I can see you. You can see me, so yes, with my new hat. Yeah. Is that covering up the fact that you haven't had a haircut for two months? No, I have had a haircut, the most extreme oh, wow. I've ever had. Yeah, I know, I just took it off and shocked him with it. Yes, number two all over because I can't deny it anymore. That's it a shame. was getting feral. I was getting a bit Sam Simmons-y. Mm. Oh, who's the guy from Tekken with the hair? Paul Phoenix. No, 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 that's straight up. Who's the... Ah, oh, Heihachi. Heihachi, that's what I was heading towards. I was like, I just can't pull it off. Mm. All the hair. But yes. It is the t- furthering on our self-isolations. How are you coping? Yeah, pretty good. We um, yeah. just bought some clippers, actually, so we're going to try and give ourselves haircuts over the weekend. <laughs> Not no, I went to a barber. I braved it and held my breath for eight minutes. Is that how long it took? It was le- <laughs> just a buzz cut, so yeah, pretty much. Okay. But I, don't have, I do have clippers. I just didn't trust myself, and especially when it's longer. Clippers aren't right. I think you've got to get to a short point where you can maintain with clippers. I don't know. I've never done it before, but it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll trust a professional first. Mm. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Mm. You're as isolated as anyone can be in Australia. Yes, in down, Tasmania. down here in Tasmania. We, we shut the borders quite a while ago. But you say self-isolation. I still go to the shops. I still go to work because I'm a central worker. I go to the supermarket and it's still full of people. And I go out for a walk with the dog and I see probably half a dozen people jogging every time I go out. So it's no different, really. No, that's it just true. It just I means I can't – Yeah. places. Yeah. And I can't go and get, like, you know, a pub meal or – Even my local fish and chip shops just closed down, which is a bit annoying. Closed? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Most was, of the places, food places around here are still, still serving takeaway, you know, sort of like meet you at the door. Where did I go? I went to Bam Bam's Burgers the other day. And it was sort of like four people in the shop only. Somewhere else I went, and I wasn't allowed in. They bought the tap machine to me. It seems important because I don't do anything else. So going out and picking up some, you know, takeaway is a big deal. Because that's what we are doing. We're actually supporting our favourite restaurants as we can. Mm. Let's throw some money towards, you know, once a week, Friday night sort of takeaway night and try and have some sort of normalcy and fun. That's a bit decadent, going and getting takeaway Indian. Yes, well, someone gave us one of those entertainment vouchers, or mm-hmm. what used to be the entertainment book that's now an app on your phone. Yeah, and the whole yeah. idea was we were going to go around and check out all the fancy restaurants and pubs and stuff in Launceston that was in this entertainment book. But yeah. then we got probably a month and a bit in, into it, and then everything closed down. Like yeah. some of them are still doing takeaways, but it's a bit harder to actually use the uh, the vouchers, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. I, I have noticed since we've been in Tassie here, there is less takeaway. So we've only got like one fish and chip shop in our sort of three suburbs around us. And as I said, they've just closed down. We've got a very wanky pizza shop near us that's not very good. And we went like two suburbs over and found another pizza shop because the kids were like, we really want pizza. And they weren't even using mozzarella on their pizza. They were using just tasty cheese. And the kids are like, this pizza is not very nice. So, yeah. I don't know if that's because they just couldn't get mozzarella or that's just the way it is here in Tassie. But, yeah, so far, disappointed with Tasmanian pizza. That's funny. They've got three suburbs, two pizza shops. The street I grew up in has three pizza shops. Just around the corner from here in Plenty Road, there's like a Domino's and then there's like another pizza shop just next door to it, isn't it? Actually, I think that's mm-hmm. turned into an Indian restaurant now. But yeah, yeah, and that's just not far around the road, yeah. 
Mm. Well, if you include Thunder a Square, there's five in a 600k radius. Yes. With bubble, seven. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of pizza. And some of them are even good. No wonder I'm fat. I'm, you know, I'm just excited to go out and get food again. Yeah. It's just nice to be able to go somewhere and have a meal. It's going to be amazing when this is all lifted and done. And hopefully sooner rather than later, but it's going to take its time. Everyone seems to be doing the right thing. You know, yeah, it's, cases are slow, but it's a slow process, obviously. It is a little bit scary down here in Tassie at the moment. Well, I didn't – I hadn't thought about Tassie a lot till you moved down there, and I thought of, whenever you see it on the news, you think, oh, yeah, it's a fixture, you know. There's a picture when they said, oh, they had to shut down two hospitals in northwest Tasmania. It's like, what's a northwest Tasmania? I've never heard it described that way before. Where's Launceston? That's up the north and it's a bit to the left, isn't it? But We're kind of northeast. Yeah. Bernie. Okay. Because it's like, why didn't they say Bernie? Why did they say, why did they say northwest Tasmania? Is well, on thing? all the news reports, they don't actually say where anything is. They've said a couple that have been in Hobart. But it's all, there's one in the northeast, there's one in the south, there's, you know, all this in the northwest. And it's like, but just name them. I don't know if they always did that, but that's what they've done this time around when when I've paid attention to it. It's like, what's this northeast? (laughs) Or the northwest, why is it? And it was in Burnie, but why didn't they say Burnie? I didn't understand. Well, Burnie's only a couple of hours from me, but far enough away that it doesn't actually affect us. Mm. Although a couple of the people that got sick in Burnie Hospital have now come down to Launceston Hospital, so... It's probably a good time to avoid the hospital. Okay. Because I was there a couple of weeks ago over Easter because my son fell over and smacked his head on the concrete floor and we had to go in and, yeah, we had to go and get him tested for concussion because he was complaining that he was really tired afterwards and then a bit later after that he vomited and we were like, oh, better go and get him checked out. And it wasn't a concussion? No, they said it. Sounds like one. Well, they said it was a very mild concussion. And by the time we'd sat in an emergency for three hours to wait to see a doctor, he was feeling a lot better. And in that time, we'd also seen a teenager came in with his foot sort of hanging off because he tried to get out of a moving car without uh, thinking about it. And his foot went under the back wheel, which was very nasty. And there was a a lot of blood in the hospital waiting room. So that was kind of an eye opener. And then wow. something. Is that I have typical ne- Tasmanian teenage I don't think so. Okay. But uh, the other thing that I saw there, which I've never seen in a hospital before, is there was actually a punch-on in the emergency ward. There was, like, this freaky-looking dude wearing footy shorts and a hoodie just, like, wandering around for a little while. And then they buzzed him in to actually go through to the ward. And then a little bit later, we heard, like, a bit of a kerfuffle, and we saw someone get slammed up against the outward door of the uh, emergency ward. And they started throwing punches until security got in between them. But, yeah. Oh, okay, so two punches. I, I think no. it was a visitor and someone who was on the ward. So I so don't know what was – No, not a worker, just okay. two – public wow but yeah all my time going to dodgy hospitals like the northern in epping i've never seen anything like that so yeah okay but anyway fun times uh, fun times so we're going to talk tonight about a bit more of some stuff for self-isolation is one of them yeah well we we re-uploaded our goodies episode from a few years back because of the unfortunate news of the covid19 taking I don't know if hero is the right word, but someone we grew up with, someone we loved, and that's Tim Brooke Taylor. Yeah. And because of that, we re-uploaded the goodies episode because it was sort of like, well, that was the closest thing we could do with the tribute straight away to, to Tim. You, you thought we should talk a little bit more? 
one about Tim and a bit more about the goodies, and it comes into the isolation that we've been going in because it was an episode that was appropriate that we both rewatched. Yeah, so I think he was probably the biggest celebrity name so far that's succumbed to the COVID nineteen. The so lead for, singer for me personally, yeah, yeah. What well, the lead singer and the um, the main songwriter for the band Fountains of Wayne, whose name escapes me at the moment. He also did all the songwriting for That Thing You Do. He actually died a couple of weeks ago as well, which I thought was a bit of a shock as well, because he was sort of early 50s, whereas okay. Tim Brooke Taylor was 79 and sort of in not the best health. Yeah. So, yeah, but it, it is a shock, and it made me sort of, again, think about how much I liked the goodies when I was younger. So I did go back and rewatch a couple of episodes, and all I can say was the 70s were a different time. Uh, yes. Now, I do another podcast called Hey, Hey, It's a Podcast, and we're going back and watching old episodes of Hey, Hey. And even 1995 was a different time when it came to what was acceptable and what people accepted was another yes. thing. It was never acceptable, but people accepted And it was like the casual racism, the casual sexism and those sort of things. And there was a lot of things with racism like, I don't know if we're backwards here in Australia, and we are to a lot of extent. But when it came to a lot of racial, like international racism, we didn't get it. Like, no. We didn't mean it. We didn't understand certain things that is considered racist, like gollywogs and things like that. I remember at the time, because gollywogs were banned for a couple of years there. Yeah. And they were like Black Sambo or whatever. And they were just a doll that I grew up as. And I remember when they were banned of a lot of people going, oh, this PC gone mad and this is just a doll or this and that. But it's like, what? it's what it represents. And we exactly. got that because no, we didn't and, have those histories. And it was actually a advertising symbol for, I think, Robinson's Marmalade. So you used to be able to get like little metal gollywog badges and stickers and stuff like that when I was a kid living in England. And then after that, it was kind of like, well – Yes, maybe it is a bit racist. Yeah, so that, that, that's the weird thing. So there was a lot of stuff like that that still kept on, obviously, in the 90s in Hey Hey. But going back and watching episodes of The Goodies, which ran from, what, 73 to 80? Was that about? Yeah, exactly. Time. Yep. But depending on when you're watching it, it was over a long period. But yeah, there was blackface and things like that in Goodies, but it was all done in humour. And as far as I was concerned, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a racial thing. It wasn't putting down anyone, unfortunately. It is. Well, yeah, context. exactly. Yep. But yeah, of its time, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't hateful. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my only caveat to it is I'm going to watch it of its time, and yep. I want to think it was not done in any hateful or malice intent. It was ignorant. That, that's how the only way I can justify it, that it's still okay. Yeah. Well, I went back and I watched the Kung Fu Capers episode, which is the Ecky oh, Thump. Nice. The Ecky Thump. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit of blackface in that. Graham dressed up as like an African-American boxer at one stage. And yep. he had the very much – he was wearing like a black jumper and he had very black, black face, but the big white lips and the – and Yeah. Yeah, the – was it Jim Crow sort of look? So mm-hmm. I think that was quite racist. The Chinese sort of – I don't know if you call it accents, but just the, the Chinese-ness of the whole kung fu sort of side of things was yeah. a bit overtly racist. But another episode that I watched that I wasn't thinking was going to be racist was The End, which was kind of how we came to this because it's a bit about self-isolation. But there was a reference to the Arabs stealing the oil, I think, in that one, 
or was that in the mm-hmm. lighthouse keeper episode? But there was there was some reference to the Arabs, and there was another one where there was an explosion, and Bill's face got covered in soot, and he pretty much just went mammy as soon as he did it, which was yeah, yeah the whole Al Jolson blackface sort of thing. But the Black and White Minstrel Show was still a thing. Oh, that was I'm, huge. I'm going to check now when it was actually on. Well, was there was a lot of reference to Black and White Minstrels over the goodies, and it's funny because my wife and I watched the Kung Fu episode last night. We were going through the list that was on Daily Motion of what we had available, and one of them was actually the South African episode about apartheid, where they had the short mm-hmm. people. And we were like, uh, I don't think we'll go there because <laughs> I, I don't think that one would hold up. Okay, yeah, the Black and White Minstrel Show ran from 1958 to 1978. So that was yes. a show of blackface yeah. until 1978. So it was right in the middle of it. It wasn't. It's wrong. It is wrong. You look back now, it's wrong. We understand. It does make watching the show that little bit harder to watch. But like you, like you, you went and I, I, I introduced my kids to watching the goodies after Tim died. And so I think it's time to introduce the kids. Because we talked about it on the episode. If you haven't listened, it's the one in the previous episode in the feed. We talked about a history of watching the goodies. And for Australians, it was... The alternative to the news, we had three channels, Channel 9, 10, and 7. They yep. were your commercial networks. You had SBS to a point, which is soccer, boob, soccer. That was essentially what <laughs> had. it was. Inter- it was your international broadcaster. So it was foreign movies, foreign news, or international news, and so And if you had a good enough TV to pick it up back in the day. Because it was a very low signal, so it was always a bit grainy on my tally anyway. It broadcast on UHF rather than VHF or something? Was that the deal back in the day? Something like that. And um, the other channel was the ABC, which is the national broadcaster. It's commercial free. What was it? Your eight cents a day cost you back in the day. This is your taxpayer thing, like the BBC in England. I don't know, America, if they have an equivalent. Is it PBS? Uh, Probably PBS, yeah. I have one. Um, Yeah, so and between 5.30 and 6.30 was the greatest television hour of the week. Well, on weekends, you had countdown, but on weekdays, and depending on what time of year or what year it was, you either had The Goodies, Inspector Gadget, Monkey Magic, Battle of the Planets, Star Blazer. And oh, News Free Zone was a period there where that was there. Yeah. And I think they showed Arnie Jack for a little while for little, little periods. But yeah, I think so. This awesome alternative. And the goodies was constant, constant. So I knew it. And going back to re-listening to our episode we put up previous, I knew, without seeing it for years, I still knew the so word for word. Yeah. Like, I knew periods of conversation in it. So, yeah, it was just a show that you just grew up with and talked about at school the next day. It was just one of those things. And it really dictated the sense of humour that my generation had. Like, you can tell people about ilk and time because you can create, do an ecky thump joke and people will continue with it. They're not yep. going to look at your funny gun. What are you talking about? Everyone sit or I just curate my friends well. They all seem to know what I'm talking about when I talk about it. So, yeah. And I thought it's time to introduce my kids to the goodies. And I've got the DVD, so there's eight episodes. So there's a lot more than that, but I only have eight to choose from. Which one do I show? So well, there's 76 on up, I think. Okay. Yeah, so of the eight, of the 76, I showed them Kitten Kong. Yep. And they're sitting there. So I've got my daughter's three and a half. My son's turned six. And they're sitting there watching it going, What's it all about? You've got the guys all turn up in so the start of Kitten Kong. You know they're all it's very quick talking. You know they're coming in, they're young, they're screaming, it's blah 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 blah. It's like a theatre production essentially. It's you know just them on a soundstage talking. You know it's yeah. like a theatre. And blah blah blah. And my son's like, what do they do? It's like, 
anything, anywhere, anytime. That, that's what they do. <laughs> it's like, it's a concept. There isn't really for it. It's so broad that you can't describe it. But there were a lot of questions early on. It's, you know, what are they talking about? What are they doing? Why are they doing this? But as soon as the kitten, if you don't know Kitten Kong, they start looking after pets and there's a, you know, always musical montages to some very physical humor sort of stuff. So there was all these pet related montage of them walking dogs being dragged along by a giant dog and all this sort of stuff. Different little quirky comedy bits. We're talking, you know, five second gags, 20 second gags to do with walking dogs, looking after pets, whatever it was. And then they end up giving growth hormones to a kitten and it grows to ginormous size like King Kong. And they have to go and save London from it. So it's, it's, really well done but it's like a godzilla movie where they've built a you know scale model of london and this cow's running running through it and the people of london are panicking and it's just yeah once that happened the kids were on board they were just laughing and doing it it was great it was great to see them like that because the show is perfect but there were racist jokes but there were also adult jokes in there yeah also there's slapstick physical humor music it's everything so there's enough in there for the kids to actually they didn't mind it at all it's kept their attention for a half hour and they also laughed. So it, it was good, and I'd love I look forward to showing them more. <clears throat> I'm finding, especially showing my kids stuff, like I knew I was waiting on showing my son Star Wars because I want to be special to him like it is for me. Yep. But it never, I realized it wasn't going to happen because I saw Star Wars when I was five. There was nothing else like it, and I saw it at the cinema. There was no, no we had TV, but we had no videos back then. So yeah. yeah. There was nothing like that. You go to the cinema and you see that, and it's like, what the hell? That was amazing. He's not going to get that. He's grown up with so much better special effects on TV, you know, just yeah, exactly. Like kids yeah. has CG and that now. So it's not going to, it's never going to wow him the same way it wowed me. I've tried to curate his and my daughter's viewing. Unfortunately, she's tagging along with what I'm showing him. So he's getting to see all this stuff even earlier than he did. So it's just mm. going to be waking up. Oh, yeah, you've shown me all the best movies ever from the get-go, so nothing's important anymore. So he's not going to discover those things the same way I did. So I realized I can't get him to love it or have that wow factor. I do, but I can at least show him the right things, you know, in the right way, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was like, yeah, but he's at least that works. He loves Star Wars, don't get me wrong, but it's not the same to him as it was for me. And it's no. never going to be either because not only was Star Wars important to me because of the movies, they were great. But I bought the Star Wars figure and I played with myself with the Star Wars figure. And I also played. <laughs> All right, then. I'm just going to leave that there. And I also played, like, my cousins will bring theirs over or I go to my cousins and we all play with our Star Wars figures. And that yeah, was so exactly. Cool. Yeah. But, like, my kid, I've got so many toys and that. Not interested. No. I just want to play with iPads or Xboxes or things like that. So it's it's just not the same. I think that's the generational thing because my kids, they went through their Thomas the Tank Engine phase Mm. and they revisited that since we've been here in Tassie because we found the boxes when we were unpacking. But the only thing they've really collected as far as toys go is Lego. And I think yeah. because Lego has all of the licenses now, you can just have your Marvel Lego, your Star Wars Lego, you know, that sort of stuff. You don't have the collections of toys like you did when we were kids. I had quite a large collection of Star Wars figures. I had, you know, He-Man figures, that sort of stuff. And it was a big thing for me. But now, yeah, because it's all the collecting side of things isn't quite the same. I, I don't know. I, and I think action figures just aren't a thing like they were for kids to play with. I guess you you made believe and you played Star Wars, but Jackson loves playing Disney Infinity Star Wars. Exactly. He's he's playing it better than I did 
you know, I'm going pew pew. He's actually pulling the trigger and it's going pew pew for him. You know, it, it, yep. And it's sort of real. So I, I get why. I totally get why. It's just a shame. Because I know with the other podcasts that are geek dudes, he's got more action figures than I do. And he, he buys everything for his kids. And again, they don't care. Like, <laughs> exactly. He's got this opportunity, but they don't want it. They don't yep. want a part of it. Yeah, so, so it was fun. So uh, I, I look forward to finding more goodies and sh- introducing it to them over time. Because it is funny. It is classic. But to me, it's classic. Yeah. So, um, it just And watching Tim in it and just how good he was. And you just always go when you watch it, go, oh, Graham's good. God, Bill's good. God, Tim's good. They're all good. And they Tim went well together. That. Oh, yeah. And they were just, and he, Tim was just so, he just had a sense of fragility about him. That yep. was his character. And yeah. I think, and then, I think though the real Tim Brooke Taylor is very different to the goodies Tim Brooke Taylor because they make him out to be this like super royalist conservative, but he himself was quite opposite to that. And I think because he had a hyphenated surname, they were like, well, you have to be the toffee nose sort of thing. And they make out Graham to be the science sort of nerd, but he studied medicine when he was at, oh, at vet, university. Is it a vet? I, I thought it was like human medicine, but yeah. Oh, and, okay. and Bill Oddie's like this whole sort of, I don't know, slacker hippie almost in the show, but he's like the conservationist bird watcher. And mm. again, they're all very different to how their characters portrayed them. But one thing I will say, we we watched a couple of episodes, mainly because we were looking for shows about self-isolation. So we Mm -hmm. watched an episode called Lighthouse Loonies, which is where they get a a job being lighthouse keepers in this, like, deserted lighthouse. And it's pretty much just them in the lighthouse for the whole episode. But getting back to that whole physical humour, there's a, a bit in that where... There's a bit in that where they find like gas or oil or something underneath the lighthouse and it explodes and it rockets them out into space. And Bill and Graham are trying to like move the lighthouse to change the direction. And while they're doing that, Tim's in the bath and there's this very physical bit of Tim sitting in the bath and the bath like swaying backwards and forwards and and him like using his big scrubbing brush on a stick and pretending he's like it's rowing a row. boat. And, yeah, and and just the the physicality of that scene. It's yeah, it's really well done. And it was a great bit of going with the isolation theme where they've been in this lighthouse for a while and Bill's going a bit nuts. And he goes, everything's round, round. Yeah. <laughs> the lighthouse is round. Plate, round. <laughs> Your pie or the food's round. Burgers, round. And it's like, yeah, thank God, like you said, you're going to work. I'm going to work at the moment. I'm so glad because I, I have a weekend at home where I go anywhere and I'm going a bit doolally. So yep. I could totally understand being upset by round things because, you know, after a few days, everyone's not listening to everyone. Everyone's in each other's pocket. It's just like, that's just going to set me off. The way you brush your teeth is annoying. Or something. <laughs> yes. Well, the other episode that yeah, we watched as well, not really self-isolation, but we watched another episode called The End, which is where Graham was being an architect for, was it Kew Gardens Renovations? And, so, yeah. and he turned all the buildings into just concrete slabs because they were going to be so expensive, no one would be able to rent them. So there was no <laughs> point putting rooms in them. So the tower that the goodies were living in got encased in concrete. So the whole episode is just them in their little house and no outside interaction. And I read a bit of trivia about it. As apparently, they did a couple of these each season because they ran out of budget for their outside filming and they were like, well, we've still got to make so many episodes per season, so we need to come up with a script where we don't go anywhere and we just spend all our time in the one place so we can you know, save some money on, on filming costs. Yeah. But uh, again, it was the whole sort of thing of them going a bit crazy, being the fact that they're trapped in this concrete tomb. 
Well, they rang up when they got entrapped in 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 the in the cement, and they said, "Oh yeah, we rang the council. They're going to get us out as soon as they finish all the work, the major motorway works." Yeah. So they said, "How long is that going to be?" It's like two years and forty-seven days or something. Like, oh, okay, we can do with that. So they're all there and eating everything by a point. You know, they're sort of like yeah. they get up to the two years and they're doing okay, and then they ring up and they said, "Turn on the tally." And it's like, "Oh, by the way, um, we're out of money." We're not going to yeah. do it because they're expecting the door to open or the concrete to be taken. And then they go, no, we're running out of money. It's not going to happen. And it's like, oh, shit. How long is it going to be? It gets in further and further on. So it's just them eventually going more and more crazy while they're stuck in isolation for years and years and years. Yeah. And he's making – he was – what did he make? Oh, they started, found – discovered religion. Started his own yeah. religion. <laughs> yes. So that was all done. Um, he ran out of matchsticks, so he was whittling away at his um, – the chair to make his own matchstick so he could build a, church, a synagogue. Wasn't it? A synagogue, yeah. <laughs> yes, so he could have a place for worship. Yeah, it, it was very good. It was typical goodies. I think it's probably better to watch, you know, one a day if you're gonna if you're gonna go back and watch. I think so. Too yep. many episodes back to back because it's not that they're similar or the same. They're similar content or well, subject wise, they're not. But there's the fact that it's a lot of yachty, yachty. Yelling and shouting. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's a lot of that sort of stuff going on. And it's like, you'd be exhausted by the end of it. So just one a day. Not bad. 76 episodes. 76 days worth of entertainment. Don't don't binge it all at once. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. Like, it was good. And, uh, I mean, it was a, if you're going in isolation, it, it, it was good to sort of, like, have a bit of a laugh at it. Because you can only laugh. It's such a weird situation. It's not yep. like the Blitz when you're in the war where you, you might... Uh, Speaking from experience. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old enough almost, but, you know, that sort of stuff was real. This is yep. sort of like, yep. yeah, and I mean, in New York, it's bad. I get it. And yep. other places around the world. We are very lucky here that the cases are quite minimal in relation, mm. and you still can go to the shops. It's not that bad, and everyone seems to be doing the right things, and there's hand sanitizer everywhere, and everyone seems to be washing their hands, so it's all okay. So... We're doing all right. So it's it's an inconvenience. Not a, yeah. I've got to brave, I've got to fight my survival here. Uh, we're, we're running out of toilet paper. We're running out of food. None of that. We're not running out of anything. No, it's not like we're on rations or anything like that. No, it, it's it's such a weird situation. And all you really can do is laugh. Mm. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. Well, I finally finished watching that, so I, I am up to date. And I think Carol Baskins did kill her husband. As well. It was it was Sorry. interesting. Carol, Carol fucking Baskin. That? Yeah, that that's the one. Yeah. And I I watched the by the time I watched it, the little after show with Joel McHale was also available. So I've watched that now as well. So that yeah. was pretty funny. So yeah, but, it's uh, interesting. If you want more Joe Exotic in your life, and who doesn't? Louis Thoreau did a interview episode of America's Wildest Pets or Dangerous Pets or something. Yeah, and there's a lot of Joe Exotic in that, but it's from like eight nine years ago. So mm. it's Joe Exotic, but not as you know it. It, it uh, he went a bit more exotic after this. So, okay, I mean he's still it's still him. Don't get me wrong, he's still out there, but nowhere near as much. So it's a good episode zero. So if you have the, if you know anyone who's not watched it but they're interested, watch the, the Louis Throw one first, and then see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to go back and see where he came from, but yeah, it'd be it's a good episode zero if you look at that. 
It's very much train wreck television, though. It's like we watched it over two sittings, four episodes yeah. on one night and then another four the next night. So, yes, it, it, you can't turn away, but it's one of those crazy, crazy shows. It's trashy. It's crap. It doesn't really have anything to say. Like, I know Carol Baskin because she was on board because they had so much footage. Yeah. They just fell into this. It's it's an amazing effort. But they, I mean, I don't think they hoodwinked anyone into it. Like, Joe Exotic wanted it about him that was fine. Carol Baskin, she signed up because she thought it was going to be like Blackfish for Titans. Yep. Because believe her or not, her story is she thought it would help her agenda in stopping people breeding tigers. Which is not a bad, if that's what this doco was going to be about. Yep. I question the morality of what she's actually doing with her sanctuary, in in quotation marks. But yeah, she's she's not the, breeding, so I guess she's got that. But she's still but got yeah, animals in captivity. She's exploiting, yeah. what I can tell. But yeah, I mean, she was made out to be as much villain as everyone else in the show, and they all are pretty much villains <laughs> for different different reasons. Yeah. So whether that the doco was going to be like the Blackfish for Tigers in America or Big Cats, and it became something else just with the characters involved, because they had no idea where this was going. It started, but they just seemed to fall upon a story that was amazing. And it reminds me of like there's a doco called Capturing the Freedmans, yep. which is very good. And they just, again, it's one of those things that just happens to have a lot of footage to make it amazing to watch because like how do you stumble across this because errol morris is a really good documentarian but he does a lot of recreations and talking head stuff in it so it's it's the story that's the subject so it's how he presents the story in the documentary but something like capturing the freedmen's all this is it's there all the footage is there so the characters you don't have much talking heads because the situations are there on video that you can watch and it yeah, exactly. And that's what gives it impact, I suppose, with the Tiger King, because it's all there. It's all on tape. You've seen it. They can manipulate a lot as far as what do they show and what they don't. And but especially... Everyone to, comes across as bad. The, yeah, the chronology of it in the fact that you can see that some parts are filmed, obviously, at different stages, because Doc Antel has different facial hair in one scene to another scene, and it's like, well, yes. which one's first? Which one did they film now sort of thing? And there's bits where you look at it and go, well, I can see that that's obviously earlier than this piece or or what have you. So it is manipulated a little bit. There's a couple of bits in it that I just can't believe they left in. Like when they're speaking to his campaign manager for the first Mm. time and he takes the first hit off his little vape pipe and he makes this little weird noise when he's trying to smoke his vape pipe. And I had to rewind that and watch it about five times because I was just in fits of laughter just – the little noise that he made, but yeah. Anyway. And, and I'm glad in that final episode when John McHale got to interview a few people and he did ask the question that everyone, you know, I definitely wanted to know. Why was he having a bath? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> How did that just play out as a scenario? And yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm just, anyway. Yeah. But, but I, yes. I, it's a fascinating show. Does the world need it? No. Was it an amazing distraction to drop at the very perfect time? Yeah, it's the Uh, perfect storm, isn't it? it, 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 And there's no agenda except to exploit the people involved. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's not the blackfish for tigers. Should they have that many tigers in captivity? No. No, none of those things should happen, but uh, that show wasn't about that in the end. No, no, not in the end. It's about the absurd characters that exist. Mm. And, mm, And, all right. 
And just continuing on with the isolation thing, we sort of had a look around just to see what else. We tried to find some themed episodes that we might be able to watch. And something popped up on my, I was listening to a podcast and someone recommended it today called Cabin Fever on YouTube. And apparently it's a spin-off. It's a comedian who had a TV show a few years ago. He's a British comedian. Um, and he had a TV show called Cabin Pressure, which was just like a sitcom. I don't know if he's meant to be a, from what I can gather from this, a clueless. He might have been like a uh, trolley dolly. What do you call them? A air host. I think something to do with airplanes anyway. So he's I doing. I thought he was a pilot, shows. was he? But yeah. Oh, he might be a pilot. I, yeah. I'm just assuming. So, uh, Fine Moore, I think it is. Finny Moore. I don't know how he pronounces it, but apparently he's a, a British comedian and writer. Yeah, I'd never heard of him his, before I watched this. No, but, me yeah. neither. Um, and it's his show from isolation. So he's playing this character and he's doing a show from home where, and we, I, I stupidly put on episode three for some reason. <laughs> I tried to do episode one, but I, te- te- technology fails me. I'm talking to you via video over the wart. Yes. Yet I can't push episode one on fucking YouTube. That's how good I'm. We were trialing a new app called Rave, which is a thing where you can watch YouTube or Netflix together. And I guess it kind of worked okay. Yeah. If, so you if can you chat can... by the keyboard or you can talk to each other while you're watching the same show. So, yeah. It seemed to work my end all right. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, working, working your end again. You said that last episode, <laughs> but yes. Something else, speaking of YouTube self-isolation, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the One World concert that was on on the weekend no but uh, it was a, like a live from people's lounge rooms concert that lady gaga had put together and it was hosted mm-hmm. by jimmy kimmel stephen colbert and jimmy fallon from their perspective houses doing little intro bits in theory it sounded great but the actual yeah. program itself i think ran for about eight hours and there was a hell of a lot of filler but there is a two-hour condensed version that you can watch on youtube that has all of the concert side of things, but something that you look at watching that, you realize that there is a lot of people that sound good on record, but then when you watch them singing on their house when they've got no effects, some of them aren't quite as good as you think they were. Well, who was worse? Well, coming to that, Lady Gaga okay. was okay, yep. but after Lady Gaga, they had, I think it was uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay did Yellow on his piano, and that was pretty shit. Oh. And there was a couple of other people that were a bit of a letdown, but then they announced that Elton John was going to be on. And I was thinking, yep, this is going to be worth it. But it is the worst train wreck television for about three minutes of Elton John singing. Because I don't know if he just didn't have his monitor in his ear sounding properly. But he came across like a deaf person singing. And wow. it was very, very bad. Ouch. But it is out there on YouTube. And it's worth a listen or worth a watch just to see how bad Elton John was on this concert. Okay. Probably the highlight for me, even though I don't like his music, but John Legend was actually pretty good. Okay. So yeah, there you I go. couldn't care less about John Legend. No. But I couldn't care less about that concert because I knew it was sort of on. I didn't know it was the last weekend. I knew it was coming. And I'm like, yeah. They made a big deal about it because it was on network television in the States and it was on two or three networks simultaneously which hasn't been done since Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue back in the oh, 90s. Really? Yeah, oh, so it was on like CBS. I think we might have mentioned it, but yeah, it was on yeah. ABC, NBC, and CBS in America all at the same time. And that's why they had like Fallon, Kimmel, and Stephen Colbert, because okay. they were each representing their own network sort of thing. So okay. I can understand why they did it, but yeah, uh, I think the whole reasoning for doing it was great, but the delivery wasn't that good. Well, you need production. There is no yeah. production, and that's what we're missing. And something I have been watching, I mean, with TV shows going forward, there is obviously a big change. Like some shows are being stopped, some are being delayed. 
but things like the McAuliffe Madness Hell on Channel 2 or the ABC. Last week tonight with John Oliver, yep. they're doing it from isolation. They're filming it from home. So John Oliver's doing it in front of a white screen behind him. Obviously, a single camera. It's produced well. Like, it's obviously been cut together nicely and yep. the script's the same, but there's no live audience. Madness Hell with McAuliffe is still presented exactly the same way. The cast are all there. The costumes is on set. They're all done. They're just doing without an audience. And it is interesting to watch these shows without them. Like the gags are written without with the audience still in mind. Yeah. There's, there's no laughter. And it's yeah, that's what I found quite creepy. Really weird about John Oliver is the fact that normally he would tell a joke and then pause for the laughter, but there is no pauses now. So it's like all right, am I meant to laugh at that or is he being serious or, you know, that sort of style. But yeah. It's not set up gag, set up gag. It's, you know, John Oliver's got his own unique style and it lends itself to it and you're going, there's a laugh there. There should be one or the crowd should do exactly this right now. And I'm doing it at home like I would normally, but there's no one in the audience to back it up. It's just very strange. And I, it, makes I it, more, be... it, it, it makes it more, it makes it more, because these shows are very political. They're, yeah, they're humorous shows. They're, they're satire but they are scathing yep. with their, their biting. And it comes across even more biting without the audience there because there yep. is no laugh track. This is serious. This is important. Yes, we're making light of it, but we're not. Mm. And it's just, it comes across that little bit more biting and angry, normal. I think it would be quite hard for him to do it. He'd be so used to bouncing off the audience. I think it would be quite hard for him to actually present in a way where... John Oliver. Yeah, John Oliver, where he's not getting that instant feedback to the joke sort of thing. I I know, because at least with McAuliffe, the cast are there. Yeah. They'd be working off each other. And they're still obviously cameramen and, you know, there's producers, sound people. They're around. So, like John Oliver, I guess it would be kind of like a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Like, they would do a rehearsal where he would deliver those gags, and because you're delivering it to the people who wrote it, you won't be getting that laugh track that you normally do, but you would have gone through those jokes a couple of times, especially when you watch John Oliver. And to the, I mean, McAuliffe's the same point. They are so very deliberate uses of ling- English language. They would spend ages getting it. Right. So yeah. it's not like it's the first time you said it. It's it's very deliberate. So by the time they actually do it in front of an audience, they've probably done it multiple times. So therefore, it's not funny anymore. But it's like this is where the laugh is. This is where the laugh is. This is the the pacing I'm doing. But at least with McAuliffe, he's got a crew with him. Where I think John Oliver's literally doing it alone. He's yeah. Got the camera set up. It's fixed. So he doesn't even have that. He doesn't even have a cameraman to work off because they're working. So that would be so much harder for him. But he hasn't missed a beat as far as I'm concerned, I think. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's about enough. Hopefully we've distracted you enough from this situation for a little while, even though we've been talking about nothing but the situation for the whole time. So we haven't really distracted you from it at all. But anyway, hopefully, hopefully we've made it a little bit easier anyway. So thank you for listening to this. If you've got anything you would recommend anyone on the Facebook page or anything like that, please, what we should be watching as a good distraction or a fun distraction, something that would be great, how we can help each other out. So if you could do that, Joe will give you all those details because I don't have them off the top of my head, but he does because he's got a memory that I don't. Exactly. So we are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. Or you can find us as the MA Podcast on Twitter. Cool. So we'll we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with a normal episode, although this was a little bit abnormal for a Welcome to My World because we did jump around topics where we normally just stick on one topic. Jump but jump around. It is strange times, so it comes different sort of strange podcasting. So I guess yeah, that's our excuse. Yeah, we're still working out how we're doing this because we're you know, 
obviously a lot further away from each other. Yes. Although we did, as you said at the start, we're doing this via video Skype today, so at least I can see you rather than just listening to your voice. So. Yeah. And sorry about the scritchy scratchy of the last episode. As you can tell, this one much better because I'm not using a lapel mic that was scratching and scratching around everything. So, yes. Sound well, quality hope, should hopefully be a lot hope, better. This now around. that you've said that, hopefully it is. But yeah, yes. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. And no we'll worries. be back in a, another couple of weeks and we'll probably talk some more about what we've been watching and what we've not been doing during the isolation. Cool. All right. Later. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>